Good morning. Grace and peace to you. Thank you, Jimmy, for the songs. Oh, Mike's in the back. Thanks, Mike, for the announcements uh, with all the good news this morning. Uh, it's uh, always good for us to focus upon the good. It seems like at times the bad comes so fast and furious that that's all we can think about. But God is always blessing in some way. And so uh, we're thankful to him for taking care of us and those whom we love. If you want to turn to John 18, will be our first scripture here this morning. We have a uh, two-part lesson on buy the truth and do not sell. Now, just read this to introduce our thoughts. Jesus here is before Pilate. Uh, you're familiar with this. Jesus answered, I'm in verse 36, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Therefore Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? Pilate's question is a legitimate question, and it's an important question. It's still a legitimate question and a question that we need to answer. Arguably the most important question that a person can ask and find the answer to. What is truth? I think in Pilate asking that question of Jesus, he was just reflecting upon the times that it was a question back then. What is truth? Uh, if you've done any studying of ancient history, you know there are all kind of philosophies floating around back then, all kind of gods of different nations, and, uh, you know, it was a question, you know, what, what, what is truth? What is reality? What is really going on on this earth, and what can we really trust? And this, the same question, if you associate with folks and talk to people and read uh, blogs or newspapers or magazines or anything, you know that the same question is being asked today. What is truth? What can we count on? What is real? What, what is reality? And uh, what is something that I can trust? What can I understand about myself and about the world? Now in our, uh, our series here, there's two parts. I don't intend to examine all the philosophies of the world about truth. Uh, there are college courses that cover that. There are myriads of books you can read if you so desire. But I just want to discuss what the scriptures say about truth. And in particular in this first part, to answer a couple of questions or deal with a couple of questions, first of all, what is truth? Where can truth be found? 
And what happens when truth is disregarded? So, uh, so with that, we'll kind of dig in. But again, it's so important to know what is true. And we're going to show that in these two lessons. A dictionary definition of truth, the quality or state of being true, something is not false. That which accords with fact or reality. It lines up with fact or reality. The Greek word aletheia is the reality lying at the basis of an appearance. The manifested veritable essence of a matter, truthfulness, sincerity and integrity of character. That which accords with fact and reality, whether it's material or in the abstract. That which is true or real. I'm going to do this little demonstration here. And for those who might be listening uh, on the podcast, I'm going to be holding up one finger. All right? One finger. And I'm going to ask the question, how many fingers am I holding up? All right, now, if you don't have your glasses on, you're sitting way in the back and you can't see well, and it's kind of blurry and you think it's two, how many fingers am I holding up? One. That's right. Thank you. You see, even now we kind of get the whole idea blurred, don't we? I am holding up one finger. Whether you see two or four, I am holding up one finger. That is the fact. That is the reality of it. It's not how you see it. It's what it is. All right. I'm holding up one finger. And what if someone else says, yells from across the other side of the auditorium and says, two? How many fingers am I holding up? One, it doesn't matter what somebody else says. It doesn't matter what somebody else yells out. The fact of the matter is, I'm holding up one finger. That's the truth. Now, let's suppose, and we can't do that in here, but <clears throat> we could darken this room. All the lights, full shades, and you could not see how many fingers I was holding up. And I held up one finger. And I said, how many fingers am I holding up? You couldn't see, you couldn't see, but what would the fact of the matter be? I'd be holding up one finger, whether or not you could see it. That would be the reality of it. I'm holding up one finger. Someone say one. There we go, we're, we're getting it, all right? Now, one more. I'm holding up one finger, and some of you will know uh, these words. In the German, the word for one is eins. Let's uh, say someone yells out eins, and you don't know what that means. But how many fingers am I holding up? Still holding up one. And then some of you know Spanish. You know Spanish. What's Spanish for? Uno, there you go. 
And you don't know what that means, but how many fingers am I holding up? One, okay? One. They're speaking in a different language, but the fact of the matter is you don't understand what they're saying, but I'm holding up one finger. So just a little demonstration there for us to try to understand and grasp truth is truth. No matter how we might see it or not see it or hear about it, truth is truth, and this is what we have to try to dig and find in this life. What is it? Some people might tell you the truth, and some people might tell you something that's not the truth. It needs to be verified. All right. Let's look at Exodus 34. That will be our next scripture to turn to. We're going to talk about the origin of truth. Maybe you never thought about it, that truth has an origin. Okay? There's an originator, okay, of truth. That which is fact, that which is reality. The truth of the world, the universe, everything that we see and everything that we don't see, it comes from God, the creator of the world. Whether it's matter, energy, living things, scientific principles, moral values, spiritual realities, God established all of these when he created the world. He set them all in place according to his own character. He's the originator of truth. You see, immediately you can, I know some of your minds will click when people disregard God and say there's no God, then that opens the door for them to reassess the world in their own view and call it truth, which is always an error. When God is eliminated, because God is the originator of truth, he built all truth into his creation. Exodus 34, and we're going to go to his character to see that. Exodus 34, 5, and 6 here, uh, Moses has gone back up on the mountain to get the uh, tablets a second time, and uh, he's been discussing with God, and he says to God back in 33, show me your glory. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll read verse 19 and 33. I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. I've used this scripture before because I think it's a very foundational scripture to understanding God. So then Moses has this great opportunity up on the mountain to be with God and to, to see the backside of God as we see. And in verse 5 then of chapter 34, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. I can't imagine what that would have been like. Here is God coming down to actually show who I am. You know, I am who I am. Well, what does that mean? Notice what he says in 6. And the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth. 
your translation might there say faithfulness. But it's from the same word. And if we think of someone who is faithful, they are true to their word, aren't they? It's the same idea. True, faithful. He's full of truth. This is God. What a great moment, and, and a great moment to re God reveals himself to Moses and therefore to us, because Moses wrote about it. And you can go on and read that. It's, it's an exciting passage of scripture. But this is, this is what God says I am. As we've said before, he's not saying I'm all powerful, I know everything, and you better be afraid of me. No, this is me. Yes, we need to, God has a wrathful side, we understand that, but this is the essence of God. He's a God of faithfulness and truth. In fact, we can go to Hebrews 6 and 18, you want to flip way over there? Talking about the promise that was made to Abraham by God, about in, in his seed all the nations of the earth would be blessed, referring to the Messiah, Christ Jesus. The writer says, so that by two unchangeable things or immutable things, to use a bigger word there in some translation, in which it is impossible for God to lie. Full of truth. It's impossible for God to lie to us. He can't do it. He couldn't do it if he wanted to. Because of his nature, because of his character, because of how holy and pure he is, God cannot lie. And this tells us that part of his holiness and his righteousness has to do with being truthful. A holy person will be truthful. A righteous person will tell the truth. We read that in Ephesians and Colossians there about speak the truth with your neighbor. Don't lie to one another. That gets back to the character of God, the nature of God whom we serve. And then 1 Thessalonians 1 and 9. Paul here is talking to the, recounting uh, the Thessalonians' conversion when he came there and how they, uh, seems to be one of the most uh, <clears throat> successful, if you want to use that term, immediate responses to the gospel. When Paul came to Thessalonica, that many of the people there, they just received the word of God and just, obey the gospel and change, and they start preaching the gospel right away. But notice what he says in 1 Thessalonians 1 and 9. For they themselves report, speaking of those all around about in Macedonia and Achaia, report about us that what kind of a reception we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God. A real living God, you know, idols are all dead, they're just made up, fabrication, wood and stone and gold and all that. But this God, the real God, is living and he's true. He conforms with reality. He is truth. He is faithful, a living, and a true God, the only one. I penciled in here my notes on this lesson, authentic. God is authentic. He is real. He is true. He's the origin of truth. So God won't lie to us. 
God wants to reveal himself and has revealed himself to us. And he has revealed truth to us. And he's done that primarily in three ways. And the first one, we, we can look in Romans chapter 1, starting with verse 18. He has revealed truth to us in his creation. What we see in creation is reality, and it conforms with God's character. He's kind of, God has kind of put himself on display in his creation and what he's made. Let's read this in Romans 1.18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. You know, there, right there is the, the problem that so many people have. They see truth, they hear truth, but they suppress it. They don't want it. And they go on and do their own thing. They do that, as it says, in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them or among them, for God made it evident to them. All right? And he's going to go on to explain that. There's evidence for God everywhere. It abounds in creation. But people don't want to hear that. What's he say in 20? For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, we're talking about God, his invisible attributes, some of the things we just saw there when he revealed himself to Moses, compassion, loving kindness, truthfulness, faithfulness, his eternal power, which he has, all power, eternal power, and divine nature, he is God, he's living, I think that's part of being divine, is the fact he's alive, and is alive forever, have been clearly seen. It's evident, it's easy to see, in all of creation. Whether you're looking at trees, or flowers, or birds, or stars, or whatever, this reflects the person of God and who he is cause us to be in awe. The heavens declare the glory of God, right? I've been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. It's there. Now certainly back in the day, they didn't have the abilities to examine certain things we do today. That is, in particular, looking into the cell and some kind of those things. Looking into the DNA. Or looking deep into space like we can with some of our equipment. But even in that day, just by looking at the creation, people could ascertain the attributes of God and would understand someone did this. Someone did this. And it should have been an incentive to look for who did it. Who put this all together? Where did this come from? In verse 21, for even though they knew God, and I think there it just means they, they knew there's a God they, they, from the creation. We just saw there they suppressed the truth. 
they did not honor him as God or give thanks. No, I didn't want to do that. For they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, of birds and four-footed animals, crawling creatures. He's talking there about, you know, they, they turned to idols and made up their own gods and said, these are our gods. Instead of accepting, seeing the true and living God in the creation. You know, that's a powerful passage of scripture. I was trying to remember his name the other day, and I couldn't, but some of you might. Uh, there's an excellent example of this among one of the top uh, biological scientists of the day. He's written many books. And uh, in his biology classes, he's talking to his students about when they look in the microscope and they, or are they just examining animals and so forth and how they've been made. <coughs> and he uses this idea. I'm not can't quote verbatim. He says, what you see there looks like it's designed, but it's not. That's what he says. And we know if you've been with us, uh, and we've got the DVDs back there, we can see the design in nature, whether you're talking about birds are designed to fly, or you know, an earthworm is designed to dig in the earth, or we are designed for certain things. You can... It's put together in a certain way in order to do certain things. That's what, that's what we have. That's what, how we've been made. But this biologist says, it looks like it. But you see, he's an atheist. He says, so don't believe it. it's not designed. It just happened to develop that way. Suppressing the truth is clear, but we don't want to accept there's a God. So God has revealed himself in creation. And God bless all those, and there are many scientists out there, men and women, who understand that. And they are trying to put forth this from the design and creation and all the, the wonder and the depth and the complexity and say, you know, someone greater than us put this all together. And God bless them for standing up in today's day and age. The second way truth has been revealed to us, let's go to John chapter 1, and that is in his son Jesus. Truth revealed. John 1.14, you can read the whole chapter, it's a marvelous chapter, talking about the word was in the beginning, the word was with God, the word was God, and without him... Nothing was made that was made. But in 14, and the word became flesh. That was our reading this morning that Bill read there in Philippians chapter 2. And dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory is the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Revealed, truth revealed. We're going to investigate more in next week, Lord willing, as far as what Jesus spoke about the truth. But John is testifying here. He came. He, he told us the truth. He lived the truth. 
He showed us God. Love the passage there in John 14 where he talks about, I think he's talking to Philip. He just said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but my, by me. And Philip says, show us the way. He says, you know the way. And he says, show us the Father. And says, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I've been with you so long you don't understand that. God in the flesh, truth in the flesh, here's reality of life. Let's go to 1 John chapter 5. Jesus taught the truth. He lived the truth. He showed us how to live faithfully and truthfully. 1 John 5.20, John again affirms, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. We can know him. We've discussed before about knowing him and not just knowing you know, he was a carpenter, he was born of Mary, and he lived in Nazareth. And No, what, what's he all about? It's about grace and mercy and sacrifice. We know him is true. We are in him who is true. If you're a Christian, you are in Christ Jesus, baptized into him. You serve him. You wear his name. You belong to him. You're his servant. His son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. Jesus, or I'm sorry, John says it three times in that verse. True, true, true. He's a true God. He is the one that conform, conforms with reality. So he's revealed to us, of course, in the day when he walked among men, there he was in the flesh. And you could interact with him, see him, see what he did, maybe get to hear him, maybe get to ask him a question, whether that had been nice, wonderful to do. But there he was, the true God in the flesh. But today, we have the truth revealed, and of course it was revealed back then as well in the scriptures. John 17, 17. Jesus in his prayer, as he faced the cross, says, Sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. The spoken word spoken by Jesus, the word ever spoken by God himself, and the word spoken, we'll look at the next scripture, through those who were inspired by the spirit of truth. And that word has come down to us in the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. The word of truth. And of course, still today, people want to reject this book, say it's myths, fables, it's outdated, it's got old stuff, we're new, we're progressive. Don't believe it. You see, they're suppressing the truth. They don't want to accept God, nor his word, nor his son. And it's a battle that's raging today. You can see it everywhere. We as Christians have to hold firm in that battle, believe in the truth, believe in our God, believe in our Savior, and still proclaim the truth, the gospel of truth. John 16, 13, probably right there, you don't even have to turn the page back. 
Jesus here talking to the disciples, the 12 in particular, uh, you know, they were concerned he's going away, and he said, no, don't worry, I'll, I'm not going to leave you orphans, I'll send the Spirit to be with you. But here in particular, in 13 of 16, he says, but when he, the Spirit of truth, all right, the Holy Spirit of truth, it's the Spirit of God, he's truthful, he can't be anything else. He will guide you into all the truth. I think there means all the truth that we need to know or hear. You know, obviously, there's a lot of truth that only God knows. He'll guide you into everything you need to know, all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. And so that promise was made. The Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, and... Following that, we understand, you know, reading what Paul writes to Timothy, that all scripture is inspired or God-breathed. The writers were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the truth. And so this is why we dig into this book. We study it, we read it, we humble ourselves before it because there are some things in there that are difficult to understand, we know that but we still work at it. And we ask God for wisdom to know what the truth is, the truth of God, the truth of the gospel. All right. So the truth is revealed in creation, revealed in the Son of God, Jesus, and revealed now in the Holy Scriptures. It's there for us to see and learn and to live. All right. Our last two thoughts, and I'm just going to read these passages from Genesis and from 2 Timothy. Genesis 3. What happens when men and women disregard the truth, ignore the truth? Well, the bottom line is, or in a nutshell, they get into a whole lot of trouble and bad things happen. That's all through Scripture. And this is the first one. Genesis 3, you know the story. God said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You need all the trees of the garden, all the rest of them, even the tree of life, but not that tree. And of course, what Satan did, he says, oh, God's lying to you. You won't die. You'll become like gods. You see, he didn't tell them the truth. But they believed him and not God, who cannot lie. Genesis 3.9. And the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He's, you know, he's looking for him after this happened. He's in the garden. And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? Boy, that must have been a question to cut to the heart, you know. God knew what they did. The man said, the woman whom you gave to be, to be with me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. We've, we've been here before, you know, we start pointing fingers when we don't obey the truth because we don't want to accept our own responsibilities. 
Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ain't. Well, that was true. But she still didn't listen to God, did she? She listened to the serpent. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go, and dust you will eat all the days of your life. Cursed to the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. First prophecy of the coming one who would rescue us from the power of Satan. We're starting to study into that in the Gospel of Mark and in our Bible class. So there are some bad things happened to the serpent. To Satan. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth, and pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband, he will rule over you. That was for the woman. To the Adam, he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree about which I command you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you, and toil you eat of it all the days of your life. The thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you eat bread till you return to the ground. Because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And God's word would come true. The day you eat of it, you will die. And thus we all die. And then, I don't have it on your little list there, verse 24. So he drove the man out, and at the east of the Garden of Eden he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword, which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. They could not eat of the tree of life. They were driven from the presence of God. All bad stuff, and it's all come down on us today, because they disobeyed, they did not listen to the truth. They listened to the lie. 2 Timothy 1. Verse 14, remind them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. Well, you got a lot of wrangling about words today out there, just this and that. It's always been true, but still true today. What should we be focused on? But be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed accurately handling the word of truth. Of course, he's talking to a minister here, but this is a challenge for all of us when we read and study the word. It's the word of truth, and we need to handle it accurately. We need to understand how it all works, how to interpret it, how to read it, how to teach it. But avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it lead to further ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place, and they upset the faith of some. And even you know, even right there, I, I always marvel at this, but right there in the first century, and right in the beginnings of the new new church, if you will, the new body of Christ, already people are starting to go astray. Not wanting to listen to the word of God, not wanting to listen to the apostles, to the Savior, that just do what they wanted to do. And so here's, here was a couple that did that. 
couple of guys, a couple of brothers. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. So when we stray from the truth, like I said, bad things happen. It leads us away from God and away from Jesus, and of course they are the source of life and life eternal. It builds that barrier. It leads us into sin and the separation from God. Leads to disobedience and evil deeds and leads to losing one's soul and brings all kind of trouble on it. That's just a fact. It's the truth. And it's, it's borne out again and again and again in Scripture and in life. So we understand then the admonition early on. This is from Proverbs 23, 23. It's not on your list. Where it says, buy the truth, buy truth, and do not sell it. Get wisdom and instruction and understanding. That reminded me of uh, the stock market today. And if any of you are in a stock market with your IRAs, Buy truth and do not sell. Why? It's always going to go up. It's always going to be good. It's always going to be good for you. Do all you can to get the truth and never sell it. Never trade it away. Never trade it for anything else. Because only truth can do for you what truth needs to do for you to bring you close to God, help you to live the right life, and give you life eternal. So that's lesson number one on the truth. Buy truth and do not sell. We, we mentioned that one uh, passage there in John 14 when Jesus told his disciples, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. the way to God, and he showed us that way. He's the truth from God. We've already seen that God is truth. He cannot lie to us. It's part of his character. He is the life from God, the life of God. All life comes from God. Did in the beginning. Life eternal comes from God. Are you a Christian this morning? Just ask a question. Do you obey the truth? Are you a truth seeker? Do you understand the value of truth? The value of God's word? The value of Christ Jesus coming in the flesh? If you're not a Christian, we can help you with that. If you're ready to obey the gospel, to repent. We were studying that in our Bible class. Change your heart and mind to conform with reality. Not the reality of life is just fun and games and do whatever you want to do. But to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, to look forward to his return when he'll take us home. If you're ready to do that, we can assist you in obeying the gospel to be baptized into Christ. If you're a Christian, you're struggling with life. Maybe, uh, maybe some parts of the world are starting to look really good to you and you're starting to believe some of Satan's lies that this is good or what's in the, in the Bible is not right, then you need to be careful. You need to return to the scriptures. You need to return your heart to God 
and trust him again. If you need prayer, we're here for that as well. Our brother Jim leads us. If you want to come, please come.